0: Remember the first time you saw a race car on an open trailer? Maybe it was full of dirt, tire marks, and other battle scars. You wondered where it had been, and more importantly, where it was going next. Every open trailer has a story, and we're here to tell it. Welcome to the Open Trailer Podcast. The magic number is now two two episodes left in the Open Trailer Podcast Season 1. I'm your host Andy Austin and today we get into Ralph Nason's first Oxford 250 win but it it isn't the one you think it is. In 1976 Ralph is convinced as are many people in the state of Maine that Ralph actually won the race and we'll hear Ralph's side of the story it's pretty epic. Also Ralph takes over ownership of Unity Raceway, has an amazing I mean wild first day as a promoter, and eventually starts running the American-Canadian tour on a regular basis, has some great success. And think of the names he was running up against. It was the golden era of touring for short track racing here in the Northeast. Robbie Crouch, Junior Hanley, Russ Erlin, Ricky Craven, Jean-Paul Cabana. How did those guys get along? Ralph gets into that as well. Thanks for all your support of main Vintage Race Car Association. Become a member at mainvintagerace.org for less than $2 a month. There are different tiered memberships. We'd love to see you this summer. Summer 2021 shipping up nice for MVRCA. You can become a member and learn all about us at mainvintagerace.org. That's mainvintagerace.org. Okay, stage two. Let's get to it. Ralph Nason on the Open Trailer Podcast.
1: You know, and, and uh, is I've never been a quiet person. So, uh, <laughs> and if I was unhappy with, yeah. if I was unhappy with you, you knew it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, I'm going to go tell you. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a problem telling you. What are you going to do? Hit me? <laughs> Come on. You know, as uh, I have been hit before? Yeah. But I mean, is when I go to bed tonight, mm-hmm. boom, I go to sleep. None of that lives with me it's all gone because i got it out anything it's did i need to get it out i get it out and if i'm racing i'm having a hard time some races i've lived with forever and and i'm so mad at myself for not being doing what i should have done when i did it you know put up with it yeah put
0: up with it yeah too much. you know
1: yeah. and didn't do it and uh uh when did you learn that 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 just came, and that came and came, yeah. and just got to the point where it became second nature. That's how I was, yeah, and uh is uh, I don't have a problem to walk down across the pit, and if I'm having a problem with a driver and to walk over there and say, How you doing, bill uh you're kinda having a big problem, <laughs> you know I said, yeah. wow, yeah, no I, mean, and I, I said that to a guy yeah, one time, yeah. and I think I was. It might have even been Penful. too. And remember, uh, Penfold. Oh, and uh, it might have been Penfold. And uh, the old man, not Billy. Uh, I never. I raced Billy some, not very much, but uh, not too much with the old man because he didn't race too much either. But is uh, I think that I said to him, I said, "What's wrong with your car?" And what have you? And he looked at me like I had three heads. And uh, you know, and you know, you know oh, how he man. was, and uh, and I knew how he was too. And he had a fist the size of a football. Big time. Yeah, you know. And uh, so when I I said something to him, I said, you know, that would work a little bit better if you'd let off just a little bit sooner before you went in the corner.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Just trying to help. Really? Just
1: trying to help. He says, you're telling me how to drive? And I said, nope. See ya. I left. (laughs) Right. And, And when I came along to him in the feature, is he drove in his lane and I drove around. I had no
0: trouble with, me. so that worked. Yeah, that worked. Has there ever been anybody that's intimidated you, especially when you started and got over that fear? Oh, we all did the first yeah. six
1: weeks. After six weeks, they didn't. Nobody bothered me. Never. I mean, Bill Cowden, uh, Harold Wilcox, Sonny Ellis. Uh, you name it, on and on and on. Bug Stevens, Caller, Junior yeah, Hanley, um, guys and uh, Robbie Crouch. Well no, those guys! When I after I got so that I was going to Seekonk and doing here go, yeah. nobody phased me. Wow, nobody phased me. And uh, like I had that car that I got from Gilly. You remember that old? I absolutely do. That thing that was a thirty nine car, and uh, and I took it. Curly called me up and he said he came here with an ACT race here. And we raced it, and I won. He said he was having a problem getting enough caliber of the cars that he had, like he has. Yep. So he needs to come up with some rules for cars like what you got, the locals to join. Yeah. The so fray, the locals yeah. could in come into the race and not dominate them mm-hmm. and what uh, have. And he said, so we got this race going to Wisconsin. You guys want to come down? Yep. Down we went. Yeah, that was wow. eighty-seven. <laughs> and we smoked him yeah. with that old 39 car. We did the interview. Robbie was second. That was the first time that I'd ever really beat Robbie. And I was excited that I beat Robbie
0: Crouch. Because that was him at his peak. Yeah.
1: yeah. And he was the king of the hill. He was yeah. the king of the hill. Yeah. And he was probably, if not, he was at least one of the best race car drivers I a raced.
0: For a racer, what makes someone great? Anybody can be fast or most people can be fast, but what makes somebody great? What made Robbie great? What made Pete great?
1: There's guys out there that... that. I race and still admire them to this day. Mm. And uh, but I got to the point where I could race them, and then I could beat them. Yeah. But I didn't beat them all the time, you know. You didn't beat Crouch every time you went out. I'll tell right. you that. And you didn't beat you know Kevin Lepage every time.
0: What made them great? Well, they've been there
1: and they've done it. Mm. They've been there and done it. Now I gotta get to that level. I gotta get by them, or I gotta beat them. that was the whole. It was a competition thing. That's the way it goes. Well, that's what puts you in that category and I think part of the, your answer is and he's the epitome of it all is he talks about doing it for 50 years and he won for most of those 50 years I think that's how you get to be in the great category yeah, mm-hmm. maybe, yeah. I think there's a yeah. lot to that not yeah. just a flash yeah. in the pan yeah. so to speak right. yeah. you can't. There's, there's a lot of guys that uh, have raced and done a hell of a lot better than me I was happy with me that's, that's the only guy that I got to worry about is right here mm-hmm. when I go home tonight I go to sleep.
0: I just want to back up and talk about your success in the kit car, going back to Unity in the in the seventies and um I mean once you got in that groove, what was going to the track like on Saturdays? I mean it must have just been
1: Oh well, going to the racetrack on Saturday nights was fun yeah. because yeah. we knew we was gonna run somewhere up front you know not necessarily win because you don't always going to win I mean you can have flat tire you can do this you can make a mistake you can get spun out you know there's a lot of variables but without any unforeseen problems we're going to be in the top three
0: and who's running unity at this point the Knowles Stone. Knowles sold it, yeah, yep. Bob Knowles, yeah. And uh, Pete has spoken a bit on his promotion uh, strategy back in the day and, and how some of the race car drivers played uh, a role in that local promotion. Do you remember any of that?
1: A couple of years, Bob Knowles hired me to run. He bought Caribou. He had Caribou. He lent this Wayne Susie a bunch of money to build a new racetrack up in Carible. Mm-hmm. And Wayne ran it, and then he ran it, and he went out of business. And Bob wound up owning the thing. And he had he tried to run it a year or two before before that, and it was too much trying to do it and uh and I won i don 't know how many races that year, and he hired me next year to go to caribou and run it mm. and I did and uh and this comes back to the sales thing when I went up there, they had three race cars three three that's it and Six weeks into the season, up there, I had 33. How did you get those cars? I just went out to see everybody that had a garage and said, get your finger out of your butt, let's get a race guy going. It isn't that <laughs> that's much. That's the pitch.
0: You know, yeah. I, Hey, if you came into my garage, I'm not saying no. Yeah, no,
1: well, that's it. Right. You know, and I mean, I went around to... There was guys up there that used to race and and I got to know them. And, you know, uh, Graydon Adams and Carol Adams, the Adams boys, they had a dirt track. Actually, They when Spud closed, they built a track up over the hill, a dirt track, and they tried to make it go, but it didn't ever go. And uh, but anyhow, there was people that raced, and and I got good friends up there still. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, they all dug in and got together with some old junker, and uh, came racing. And pretty soon, I had sixty.
0: Did you find that being uh, having success in sales translated into track ownership or yeah, management? I think that,
1: well, that transferred in a yes, uh, that really did. Mm. Being able to uh, being able to go see somebody to cold call them. yeah you know to uh to get them involved that was that was my calling back then was to go see somebody and get them involved in racing so that they came to enjoy it and because i enjoyed it it was my thing so yeah. and i go see them and say jesus you ought to come over and do this because there's a lot of reasons that you should be here and uh, and maybe there's just as many that you shouldn't but if you come right. uh and you got a business and a gas station and a restaurant or this or that and the announcer is talking about that stuff and he's going to tell people to go to your restaurant he's going to tell people to go to your whatever and and buy your product and and that that really worked because the first 30 or 40 years uh Whatever was advertised and sold, if it was good, and what have you, at the racetrack, the announcers were doing their jobs. And when I was running my show over here, the announcer I had, if he wasn't talking about my sponsors and stuff, I got rid of him got another one and uh you know and and I didn't have that much of a problem because when I set it up with them, I said, "This is what I want, and you make a paper or whatever you got to do, but I want you to hit these sponsors, and you need to talk about this, and you need to find out about that guy driving that car when his birthday is or how many kids he's got or where he worked, or something about him, so that you can interest the people sitting in the grandstand you know once you do that it is you're going to become like, oh my God, listen to that. You know, and that's the way people are, and they like it. Mm-hmm. The more they know about their race car drivers and that stuff, and where they come from, or where they went to school,
0: any of that stuff, they eat that right up. Yeah, I'm so, big into the why. You know, I mean, anybody can talk about cars going around in circles. Sometimes it's just a car following another car. That's all. There has to be the gotta why. Got to make a show. Yeah.
1: Got to make a show. Mm-hmm. And that's what you do. And I, when I came here, uh,. George Hale. He's still on the radio now. He's still still on there every day. And and he was the announcer. And I had several. uh, But the best announcer that I ever heard here was a guy named Jerry White. He had a mannerism and a wit... And he was the best I ever heard. And he had a carnival swing, but he also liked to tell dirty jokes. And <laughs> that was, like, not yeah. great. Right, so right. He had right. to fix that. Yeah. But other than that, he, he was the goat. really great. Yeah. But I had a, I had a lot of them and, and, uh, over the years, and some real good ones and some that wasn't so good. Yeah. Uh, pretty hard to find somebody that they're going to go for their Saturday night I mean, unless you're going to pay them an astronomical amount of money to get it to go over and spend four hours over there to do that, you know. And you've got to also think about the 1500 bucks a night for insurance and the, so much for the light bill and so much for this and all the people and everything that goes with the expense of running a damn racetrack. And, and so you need to watch all that expenses. Mm. As, uh, but announcer, uh, he's, he's pretty much the most important guy you've got there.
0: Hmm. So. Um, when does the ownership of Unity come in when does that start to uh,
1: 1980 yeah yeah
0: 1980 so yeah. 1980 you're still racing matter of fact you win that that race at Thunder Road that Pete was in too yeah. you guys were in the top that uh, was the early NASCAR yep. North yep, days Yeah. remember that day uh, somewhat you know, Yeah. Somewhat. winning at Thunder Road because Thunder yeah. Road definitely comes up later on in the story it's, it's an yep. iconic track yeah. um, Thunder Road
1: that's eight, yeah. like you know mm-hmm. like is uh that was the Sachsenholmica, and uh, and I ain't so show sure if we won that race that day or not. Mm. But uh, we won there a few times.
0: There's a race that that predates that. that if we can put Steve on the mic for this one too, uh, of course you know you're synonymous with winning three straight two fifties. A lot of people think you won four. Yes. We're gonna go back to 1976. <laughs> yeah, won the race hands down. Yeah, no,
1: I give with me. I won the race. So, and Steve- I'll tell you why. It's pretty easy. Is you remember Dick Bear? Yes, sir. And Dick Bear sat on a bottom row of the bleachers after the race, and I went because I said, my wife is an immaculate squirrel, okay? Mm-hmm. And that system that they had is they had these things in the boxes, and they write the time down on every lap. And every one of my laps were there for all of them. And it didn't vary within two-tenths for all those laps. And here is Butch Lindley, and I'm looking at Butch, and he goes in the pit on a yellow. And he goes in the pit. And I said, I ain't going to do that. And I said... Because I already had gas. I'd got gas earlier. But anyhow, so I and I knew I was first, and he was second. And I was looking at him driving in the pit because I was already laughing. And he went in the pit, and I went around, and I came out. And as I'm coming down the front stretch, here comes Butch Lindley out of the pit. Right. He was in the pit that whole turn. And I said to myself, I can remember saying it, Ralphie boy, keep him in sight. Because there ain't no other going to win this race.
2: Well, Mm -hmm. that's exactly right. I
1: know it's exactly right. Steve, you
2: you
0: were there,
1: too.
2: To paint the landscape for a second, this race had a NASCAR sanction, and they brought the top runners from the entire east coast and in some cases west of the Mississippi guys like L.D. Ottinger, yep, Harry dean Tiny Lunn, yep, Butch Lindley, yep. Al Grinnan, Dickie yep. Boswell from Virginia. Yep. Uh, all these guys come up here uh, looking for some of Bob Bear's money and those NASCAR points. You had a full field they added a few contingencies, so I think there was 38 that yep, start. Yeah, a lot of
1: cars. It might have even been 40. Yep,
2: and yep. it was a cloudy night. Oxford Plains is in a flat spot between a hilly area. Yep. And it kept the noise of the cars down on the track. Right. When we left that night, our ears rang for hours. Okay,
1: just like that, yeah.
2: but it's in it, the car, Sam. We saw you pull in, Yeah. get a splash of gas, yeah. head back out, and then... Lindley pulled in and we figured you know we saw the field go by right. and then he come out and we figured you were still in the lead and right. then they showed the bicentennial flag to him yeah right and the crowd that's what I said. We, I had my hands out the window what yeah. the hell's going on yeah. <laughs> under green yeah. Yeah. yeah and there were yeah. like 50 laps left at that point do you know who the NASCAR rep was uh, I, I don't right off I do
1: you wait and I'll tell you his name It's not. he was a NASCAR rep and he was, uh, he was uh, uncle Les Richter? No. Of Butch Lindley. Oh. Yeah. Butch Lindley's rep. uncle, NASCAR rep. NASCAR rep. Hmm. See, they had a NASCAR rep at that race. Track, exactly. At the race. He was the NASCAR representative, and he's the guy that took the decision that Lindley exactly. won the race, not, not Dick Bear. Dick Bear sat on that bleacher when I walked up through there, and I looked at him, and I said, he said, y'all first, automatic.
2: Well, and exactly he says, I right. know you want to race When you went in the pits the whole crowd roared yeah. because they were following you right. as the leader that's and it. that's we, we never could figure that yeah. that out. But it was a hell of an event. Oh, yeah. So let's go back to
0: event. within that race. There's 200 laps into the 250 laps. They they throw the bicentennial flag. You throw your hands up, but you don't give up. You still charge. I'm saying yep. if he's ahead
1: of me, yep. according to the way them, I'm going to pass him. So I'm coming on, buddy, yep. and that's where I went. But I I knew I knew. At that time, when he came out, and he came out right out in front of me, and I said, all I got to do is stay there because I ain't got to go nowhere. And I said, then I can finish this thing, and I'm going to win this.
0: Main boy's going to win the 250. And I said,
1: now there's no way that nobody can't understand this because Dick Bear said in his driver's meeting, you will run 250 laps under the green. Yep. And Mr. Butch Lindley don't have one. He's minus one lap. Hmm. He counted the yellows. It's just I never was able to get that. Say so 250 green, but they count the yellows. So when you come back, if you've got two guys that both got 250 green, and this guy ain't got a yellow, who's the winner? ABC. Two different ways I won that race. And, and uh, you protested for a long time yeah, after that we race. Yeah, we protested. didn't do any good. And uh, so I said...
2: And just one other final point is, even at lap 250, there was still a lot of that field running. You had the top cars in the nation in that event, and it was still like 32, 33 cars out of the 40 still finished.
1: Yeah, that was a fast car. Same car, fast car. Dick knew, and he said it to me, and then he couldn't do anything because of this nascar director that was there you took that
0: you, you were able to take that argument to daytona
1: yeah oh, i right. don't know i didn't yeah. go to daytona but right, that's right. where i went they took it to him. and i knew him. and then i found out afterwards he was an uncle or whatever the hmm. Bush family part of the family and it wasn't lindley either so and i can guarantee you and i ain't gonna say no names but i'm here to tell you that my wife said to me on the way home that isn't right that guy didn't win that race yeah, and this this guy has won a lot of races.
0: Can you yeah. tell me about that that loss and, and and the ride home specifically with your wife after, after that?
1: Well, yeah, I was mad, 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 and that's and what can you do? Mm-hmm. And, and so I left there, uh, I left there, and I left my case with Dick Bear, yeah. and and I always said Dick Bear to me was always a very creditable person and a good guy, and. He's going to do what he can do. And NASCAR overrode it because they needed a Southern guy to win the race. That's yeah. what they needed. Yeah. You can't send uh, the I... top five Southern guys to Oxford, Maine, and have them get their ass kicked. All right. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes so much sense. Yeah. So, but all the way home, I mean, yeah. I mean, we we hash it and hash it and hash it and hash it, but yeah. it doesn't make any difference. The facts are there,
0: and you stand one hundred percent beside your wife, and she did an excellent yep. job. And and I'll tell yep. you right now, she was a bookkeeper for Merchants
1: National Bank, yep. and she didn't make mistakes. Okay. And when you took her score sheets and you saw it, it was within two or three tenths on every lap. She wrote it down; it was within two or three numbers How every you know? single lap. And when it, she knew you know she just very very good so I'm, I'm mad sorry. man I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm not mad nothing mad. you can do about
0: it know. I know can't go to bed mad Ralph yeah. no, so that's life Yep. Yeah. so you get into uh, track ownership how does uh, in 1980 now how does that come together
1: well Bob closed this thing in 79 and didn't run it in 79 and it came around in 1980 and there wasn't you know wasn't anything happening here and so I got this store up here in New up in Newberg, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm racing cars. And this guy keeps, he comes in there as a gas customer and a good customer. And he comes in all the time. And he's a cattle guy, cattle jockey. Got a truck. Hmm, he sells cows, and buys, buys from farms and sells them to farms and whatever. And his name was uh, Craven. Ah. Okay. Ricky Craven's father, Alan Craven. And a good friend of mine He said to me Why don't we go down and buy Unity And we'll put some races on I said you got some money He said I can find some money I said okay He said find out about it So that went a little while And he was in again the next day and, Did you find out yet <laughs> <I> said, <laughs> Next day. no, and, no. Uh, and he was in the next day Did you call And I said no I said I ain't sure I want to do that, mm. and uh, so I ran that thing in Caribou for two years, and, uh, and said, it really ain't a cup of tea, you know. He says, "Wow, well, you need to, you need to, you need to." He's in there, and he starts to stop, and he comes in two or three times a day, and he saw it, So anyway, so I got on the phone one day, and I chased around, I got a whole Bob, and I said, "What are you going to do with it?" And uh, he said, "Well, I would like to, uh, I like to get it sold." and uh and uh whatever on and on and i said well you got time i said i got a friend of mine that maybe together we could do that well come on down and see me so we went down to see him the four of us sat there bob and regine and me and alan came up with a deal to buy this thing that went and i said well we're gonna be there we'll be back it's gonna take a little while and uh, so anyhow so I started digging around and chasing around and uh, and I came up with uh, my half so but now I haven't been seeing Alan where the <laughs> hell <is> he? Yeah. <laughs> chase him around I couldn't catch up with him and I hadn't seen him for because we were supposed to go there like on a, this coming Wednesday and this is like Monday and I hadn't seen mm. him since Thursday didn't get gas no, well, he didn't get gas. He must have got it somewhere else. Yeah. You know uh, how come my appointment was fastly coming, ten o'clock Wednesday morning in Unity down on the lake at Nolsey's house. Yeah. And I said, hmm. So I get down and I get in there and I'm telling Bob, I says, well, I says, I don't know what happened to him, but might as well figure he's a no- he's a no show. He knew the date, the time, and the amount, and the whole nine yards, and he never showed
0: up. Right. And i have been chasing him for three days. And you can't days. you can't just call him on a cell phone, because there aren't any no, cell did, phones. No, or... we didn't
1: have them then. Yeah. And, uh, well, maybe, I don't know if we yeah, we had them. There'd be phone bags in the yeah. car. Yeah, you didn't something. have a phone bag. No, no, but anyway, so, uh, but I chased him around. He'd only lived right up for not very far, five miles. And I'd been over there 20 times. And uh, so I'm down in a meeting, all by myself. Bob said, well... We'll make a deal. And so we whittled around and whittled around and made a deal. And you can ask him, well what I owed him when I walked out of there was an appreciable amount of money. And, uh, but it was mine. Mm-hmm. And the paperwork was done and we went to a lawyer and did all shit, everything else. And he got paid every <laughs> single penny that was on that paper. Mm-hmm. By the time that it was due. Every single one. He's always said that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, he's good that way. And uh, so that did it. But that was no Alan Craven. Hmm. And two or three years, yeah, long that. I don't know what year he bought Whiskasset. But he never got it because he never paid for it. And <laughs> Kronk still owned it, you know. Hmm. He went down there and told Kronk, sorry. And Kronk said, sure. And uh, so he let him do it. And then, then when it came time to give Kronk some money, Kronk had to take it back. You know, so. right. but anyway, that's what happened down there.
0: So Unity opens in what, 81?
1: I, I had, you wouldn't believe this, in 1980 in the fall, in my first race, I'm telling you that I had, you couldn't imagine how many people I had now.
0: I was going to say, because your salesmanship, you're going to take what oh, you've done in man, Caribou.
1: Place, there was like, they was coming out of the woodwork down mm. there. I was so full that I almost. Shut the gate down. I almost stopped selling tickets. And I said, but not yet. (laughs) I said, how would you feel if you stood at that ticket box and then they closed the window? No more sold. I'd be irate. I'd be pissed. I'd never go back there i'd be i would be you know because i took my time and everything else to get in and get in well anyway so i said no matter what i'll stuff them and i did stuff them in between the two fences on the front stretch i had a little hub fence like this Mm. and then the big fence and i put them in between that and i bet i had 300 in between that place was mobbed, and so we're getting the program started and believe it it started raining I believe it. (laughs) It started raining. I really believe it. Listen, look. When I opened that gate that day, Hmm. I had spent every dime that I could dig up anywhere in the world. There was no more for Ralphie. Nowhere. From my father to my father-in-law to my whatever. Everybody that I knew had kicked in to help me for that day. You know, not a lot, couple of hundred here, three, four hundred there, two, three hundred here, whatever. But they'd all, and I was flat ass broke right there. I had zero. And I still own my house or whatever, but I mean, you know, worth 15 grand. And at that time it was just a nothing. And I said, what am I gonna do? I went up, George Hale, I think was announcing and I said, turn the music up, get some music, get a beat on, play some music, entertain these people because we're going to stay here until this rain stops. If it's tomorrow at 7 o'clock, the green flag is going to drop. I'm not going through that mess out there to try to refund money right. and take care of tickets and do rain checks. No, we're staying here. And at 8 o'clock... The sky cleared, and we threw the green flag.
0: Isn't that the way it always is, though? It seems to wow. always rain between You couldn't imagine between five. And that eight. would have been a
1: loss yeah. like you know. I can't remember what we got for ticket prices, but it was a lot. Of you loss. would
0: have been financially ruined, yes. basically. Yeah. Good a, thing yeah. you didn't overreact. No, that's mm. not, that's, exactly. that's, what, that's what basically saved the day, not that overreacting. Saved the, that saved the day. And and exactly. what do you credit that to, that that just instinct of like, we're going to get this done, is it survival? Survivalists? That's right. That's no? what I told them. And I told the announcer, and I said, you can tell them, that
1: this race is going to happen. So go get in your car, and you sit there, play the radio, whatever you're going to do, mm. and if you get hungry, come on in and buy a hot dog, but I'm going to tell you, that it's going to race. Yeah. I don't care if it's 2 in the morning or 7 tomorrow morning. It's happening. So stay here, because Sunday's tomorrow. you got all day off. So you can stay here, and you can get the racing. <laughs> That's just what I told them. Wow. And, uh... And by Jesus, we did. And that was a case. It rained hard. That was a case where we had water in the infield. Yeah. And I said, oh, man, we got to get that water out of there. And Unity fired a bomb and come over with a pump and what have you. And they was pumping and it was running. And by Jesus, got it down so that it was down the edge of the track. I said, that's it. Let's go because it may rain again. Whew, you know, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. What was the
0: ride home like that night? That night.
1: Was awesome, yeah. You know, the ride on that night was awesome, mm. and uh, it was very, very, very fulfilling. You know, to the fact is that I stayed with it and got it done. It started growing and coming, and we had we got that very. You know, only had two or three races that fall, and in uh, the next spring. The first, the first race, we had like 130 cars in a pit, 130, 140. And we average When things were good and the economy was good and the price of gas wasn't crazy and everything else, we have a, a small night would be 100, 110, yeah. and a big night would be 130, 140. These guys used me pretty good. And some of them found off, they found out pretty early that used me right. I'll use you right, but if you don't use me right, I will fight. Hmm. And they found that out. And some of them I poked. And justifiably so. And uh, But not too many. Nope. As... Uh,
0: so uh, you mentioned some of the personalities that come through Unity in the '80s, uh, and your dealings with Alan Craven. His son starts racing a couple of years later. What was that like? Oh, great! Ricky
1: and, was great, and uh, the uh, and Crafty was around, and he was he got hmm. he got around after that, and he was down there helping Ricky. And Ricky, Ricky made good friends. Uh, Ricky makes friends easy, hmm. and he's very personable. Yeah. And yes. uh, and he like uh, he made friends with Stan. Up here and Stan had a chassis shop up the street here. And he was helping him and they built that car and there. Ricky he won a lot of races with that. He always was a pretty good asset, you know. And and he like he got hooked up with uh Peter Prescott? Yeah, in that, but I'm thinking I'm trying to think uh before that? Yeah, Missouri. Okay, Missouri okay. got him hooked up with Prescott. Mm. And because uh, Prescott was having Missouri do some work and this and that. And Stan says to Peter, says, Hey, you know, you ought to pick him up, whatever. And he did. He put him in that six only car. And he won a lot of races yeah. for that. Mm. And uh, but Ricky's always been a pretty good asset. And mm. but he came out of here, and Pete came out of here, and I came out of here, and there's, there's a lot of guys that you know. That went a long ways in racing. That that raced here and was good here. Yeah, lots and lots of them.
0: So the racetracks going pretty well, and you're able to really focus on tour racing towards the you know the later '80s when you get in that Dodge Ten car. And uh, and your son's really starting to pick up a lot of the mechanics too.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he's like. He wasn't really a mechanic. He really took a hold of that. That really, that bit him like a bug. Mm. And he wanted to do that, and that's what he wanted to do. And so he learned, and he learned, and he really learned. I think that probably he learned the most in the shortest period of time of anybody that I know about racing. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, I think. I mean, look, he's been... You can't imagine the the technicalities that he can do. He's been in uh, Arrington Racing Building Motors, putting it together. He went down there with Joey Arrington in Joey's shop and assembled this and did this and did that and learned how to do all this stuff, and uh, Joey learned a lot from Ron. Ron built motors in Benner's shop and we won a ton of races with them. To go buy these motors at 20000 30000 and we buy our used parts from What's-His-Face in Gorham or wherever he is down there, Jay Cushman. Yes. Buy a used crank and a block and a this and that and oddball parts and bring it all home. And Ron would go down there and get it and look it all over and take it and, and bring it and he'd bring it down to Bob Bailey's over in Thompson yeah. and over there in uh, Cundy's Harbor and make a motor. And or he'd take that same stuff and do it, he'd go over to uh, Benner's and he did that at McMaster's too. And yes, they were yes. running that thing, and and Steve Benner was doing all the Ford stuff. And Steve was their ace guy, he really was. And so Ron and Steve are buddies and they're working on it. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so they let Ron right in the shop to go ahead and use this and do this and do that. And we'd make our own motor. And so when it got all said and done, instead of having thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in their motors I'd have $2,500 in them hmm. and outrun them yeah you know and that's the only way we could do it
0: there's one race that sticks out in my head it wasn't even a points race but it was an ACT race 1989 Beach Ridge it was the winner's showdown and there were three cars it was you Dave Dion and Junior Hanley yeah you had that three yep. wide finish yep. uh, that was an amazing race what do, you, oh, it was. Yes, do you remember it was. that one yeah
1: that was a good one and uh is uh anytime that uh uh people when they get under the gun sometimes they do stuff differently i ain't that way it's just never have been and i can take uh i can take getting beaten by Dion, and i can take getting beaten by hanley Mm -hmm. uh and uh because tomorrow I'm going to have another chance, and maybe I'm going to be Tim. You know, you got to think of it that way.
0: I don't think that people at the time understood what they were watching. You can go back and watch this on YouTube. But the three names that were racing that showdown race yep. just for the glory yep. of winning, for yep. the for the pride. It what was year was that? 1989. You yep. had kind of the oddball looking Dodge Daytona yep. compared yep. to everybody right. else's that, car at that oh, time.
1: That's like, yeah. But the, that the, was a fifth design. How? And I bought that off of uh, Mark Melkiewicz. Yeah. yeah, And that was a miserable son of a bitch to get to go.
0: But you uh, finally did. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you, so you have the lead with the last lap. Uh, white flag comes out and Dion's on your outside, gets yeah. a good bite. You could have easily drifted up, laid into him. Yeah. But to no. your point earlier, no. No. I'll race you the way you race me. And you that, guys uh, a, seem to have that respect. That's right. And you know, that's, that's a whole thing in a nutshell is
1: I had a lot of good races with Hanley. Mm-hmm. and more often than not, the son of a bitch beat me, <laughs> but, <laughs> but only because uh, Ron Hutter, you know who Ron Hutter is? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, these guys have got 500 horsepower eyes, right? You know, Hutter's got a 700 horsepower eyes. <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, so when you're racing against one of them, is if his car's any good at all, he's going to be tough, especially when you get him where he can use the power. Sin mm-hmm. is where he was good, and, uh, I thought one of my highlights of racing uh, was at Sanaa, the last race I was in in Sineha, and I beat him. And uh, he was second. And I can remember looking in the mirror because I went by him on the bottom coming through two and started up that short shoot. Ooh. And I got my leg right in it big time. And I said, Junior, you better not be out there. And he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyhow, so when I got ready to go up into that other thing, that crazy thing, is I'm looking in the mirror and here's Junior. He's, he's sideways. Tires are smoking. He's... <laughs> Yeah, he got a right to the metal yes. and the tires are smoking and i said hey buddy you gotta have a good day today mm. and i turned it and, and we went on one race yeah. and uh and junior come over afterwards and uh he's, he has a favorite saying you know and uh you <laughs> that was his favorite saying yeah <laughs> that's always he said that's cool and uh he said you <laughs> <laughs> and i said what's wrong he says, "Well, you had too much power today." He said, "I said, no. I said the guy that had too much power, and I see the tires smoking in my mirror. You're spinning." Mm. And that—that uh, that was a molten guy. Right? They had big motors.
0: Yeah.
1: and uh, so. What
0: that, was that era like? I mean, you had the Randy McDonalds, you had the Junior Hanleys, you had the Dave Dions, you had the Ralph Nasons, Russ yeah. Erland. That yeah, was Yeah, that,
1: that was that was a fun time. Mm-hmm. And he was gone. Would have been a, more fun if he'd have been back around racing. You know, and uh, mm. hey, if those guys. Most of those guys, they didn't grow up around where I was, you know, they yeah. went around here and uh, but uh, you know, I got to know them and uh, you know it's like I think that out of all of those guys that raced in that era, they all had uh, like uh, they all kind of had "I'll race you like you race me." Mm-hmm. I think they all was pretty much that way.
0: Next time out, Ralph, I'll tell you, Ralph has given us so much material in the first two stages, but if there's one segment that personifies Ralph Nason, it just may be segment number three, and you get out of the car, and people are making a bunch of noise, <laughs> yeah. and it isn't all positive. No, no, no. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, that didn't
1: faze me at all. If they only knew how much pleasure I get out of, <laughs> over the years, of pissing them off or whatever Uh,
0: you know and sometimes that was more fun than it was racing we'll also get into whether Ralph thinks there will be future racing at Unity Raceway and one of the reasons why it hasn't completely changed hands I, I think will blow your mind it certainly did mine but that's next time out on the Open Trailer Podcast see ya